Welcome to the Farm Team Podcast, presented by HockeyAI.tech. I'm your host, Elliot Sheen. I'd like to take this opportunity to acknowledge that this episode was recorded in Calgary, Alberta, on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Nations, which includes the Siksika, the Pekani, the Kainai, and we also acknowledge the Sutina and Stony Nakoda First Nations, the Métis Nation, and all the people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. Thank you. In today's episode of the Farm Team Podcast, I'm pleased to be joined by the founder and president of VP Energy Services, Bear Trap. This May, Bear and his Saskatchewan-based company will be celebrating their fifth year in business. VP Energy Services are private energy services enterprises that focuses on the transload, storage, and delivery of oil country tubular goods, downhole oil field equipment, and drilling fluids. Born in Balcar, Saskatchewan, Bear played his minor and junior hockey in the province, playing two seasons for the Melville Millionaires before being traded to the S. Van Bruins, where he put up an incredible 73 points in 50 games played. During his junior hockey tenure, Bear earned an athletic and academic scholarship to play for the NCAA Division I Sacred Heart University in Fairfield, Connecticut. In his freshman campaign with the Pioneers, Bear won the Atlantic Hockey Association Rookie of the Year Award. After graduating in 2009, Bear went on to play 49 ECHL games split between the Elmira Jackals, Johnstown Chiefs, and the Idaho Steelhead. After his hockey career, Bear moved back to Saskatchewan, where he currently resides with his family. Bear and his company play an integral role in the exploration, production, and distribution of Western Canadian oil and gas products. And in 2018, Bear was a finalist for the Saskatchewan Chamber of Commerce Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award. I'm excited to have Bear on the show today to talk about his hockey and life experiences and hopefully shed some light on the entrepreneurial spirit the game of hockey can create. And with that, Bear, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Elliot. Geez, that's a hell of an intro. Yeah, just a quick uh, recap of your life there and a quick yeah. minute or two. But doing some uh, research on the Trap family. You guys uh, come from a deeply rooted hockey family out in Saskatchewan, eh? Yes, I feel uh, I was thinking about it uh, when you reached out and I've, I've been very blessed uh, to have really good hockey genes and yeah. uh probably just the hockey sense aspect of the game was my biggest asset by far i wasn't fast or strong or anything special but that was the the best part of my game and i think obviously my genes for that yeah well i think just in general and Saskatchewan produces top end talent of, of hockey i mean obviously with patrick marlowe too come i didn't realize he was uh that close to where um was it gordy howe his beat his record right so yeah i didn't realize they're that that close i mean there's a ton of guys that come out of uh, saskatchewan that are still playing in nhl no it uh, obviously hockey is a way of life out here it was a way of life for me for 25 odd years yeah. i played in northern hockey at three till about yeah 30 so um it played a huge part of my life and yeah it's, it's a way of life out here so did your parents then uh move out to saskatchewan before they had you is that where you're you're born out there and uh yeah no my my grandparents were born and raised in Saskatchewan. My dad was born and raised here. My uh, parents actually had me when my dad was playing for the Virginia Pats. Mm. Um, yeah, a little bit on my family. My dad played for the Pats. He was the captain. He uh, second round pick of the Buffalo Sabres. Um, won a Calder Cup in the American League for Rochester. Played a few games in Buffalo. Yeah. And then his dad uh, played for the Melville Millionaires back when that was the Maple Leafs farm team. And was that What's Maple it? What what league was it then? Uh, was it the Western? It wasn't the WHL. Okay. But it was uh, like Flynn Flon was in it, and so was PA and, and the Pats, like the the Red Wings or the Red Wing, like Weyburn Red Wings are were Detroit or yeah. uh, Detroit team. Estevan Bruins were a Boston team. Melville's all blue because they were a Toronto team. Is that the so, league uh, Gretzky like broke into before he got into the NHL? Like the W? No, not the WHA. It was yeah, like WHA, the West okay. League or something, but it was before the dub, or yeah, because I think PA was in that league too. That's interesting. I didn't realize that NHL teams back then had like direct ties to junior programs out here. Yeah, like the soccer kind of style in, interesting. in Europe. Feeder leagues out of yeah. the prairies. <laughs> yeah, that league must have been wild back then. Then oh, I kind of like that. Flintlon team had like Bobby Clark and like all kinds of crazy tough guys. All those Islander tough guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Uh, so yeah, let's let's kind of get into a little bit of a background of uh, your experience playing in, in minor hockey and, and the juniors out in the in the province too. Um, did I say it right when I said Bel Belcar, Saskatchewan? Belcaris. Belcaris. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but no, all good. Um, it's a small town, including all the farm community. We had about eight hundred people. 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I went to school out there. Um, played a few years of minor hockey in Regina when my parents split up. My mom moved to Regina. I came here and played a few years uh, yeah. in Regina. And then somehow in grade seven, I, I made a decision that I wanted to try to play hockey. And I thought it'd be better to live with my dad and play small town hockey. Yeah. And I moved back out there and we ended up having some really good teams in our area. One provincials a couple times, uh, played my Bantam double A in Melville. We don't have Bantam triple A in Saskatchewan. So yeah. Bantam double A in Melville, one provincials there, played with a bunch of guys that went straight from Bantam to the dub, a bunch of like first and second round picks on that team. Who were they? Really loaded. Um, Brett Novak, Adam Flick, Paul Elber, Sean Heshka. Those two were like D-man scoring leaders in the dub back-to-back years. Yep. Heshka's still playing in the KHL. Is he? Uh, awesome. Yeah, Adam Flick. Yeah, we were we were loaded for a Bantam team. <laughs> well, that's the like, thing. That's, even though it's not deemed AAA, it's still like high-end talent that it just needs to get together in those rural communities, right? Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's the same thing as like those guys went on, I think, and won Westerns the next year playing yeah. against all the, the Bantam AAA teams. It's just for community, like communities you can pull from, they keep it as AA rather than AAA, I guess. So you can't just go anywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. And those, I mean, those smaller communities definitely support hockey like, all the way through minor hockey. And then if they're lucky to have a junior program, I can imagine that, you know, the whole town's kind of based around that. Yes, it definitely was in my days before cell phones, the rinks were packed and it was, oh, yeah. I know it's a struggle. Even I was coaching a couple of years ago. It's uh it's a lot different than the rinks now that there's just other trying to get the draw of, yeah, I guess hey, just getting them to, to come to the games and get off their phones for a bit. Yeah, exactly. No, that's great. So I guess, yeah, kind of going through midget hockey was uh, the junior A route or the WHL route kind of what, what was went into that decision for you? Um, I just, I was never an elite player. My, that bad to me, right. I ended up playing on Like I'm more of like a, like a Scott Hartnell type player. Like you put me with two skilled players and I'll do the dirty work and bang yeah. and rebound yeah. and go in the corners. Um, so I played with uh, skill guys that year and had a really good year and kind of got on some radars and then my first year midget, I actually played midget double A and junior B because I didn't make triple A. Oh, really? So I didn't make triple A. I played junior B as a 15-year-old <laughs> and uh, and midget double A. And then I went and played for the Saskatoon Blazers triple A. And uh, I was having a good year. And that was kind of my only ever injury that year. I snapped my forearm in half. Oh, shit. Um, yeah. Slash. So that, that, no, just, I got a suicide pass and I kind of put my arm up to try to stiff arm this guy that was like 240 pounds and my forearm crumpled. So I was blessed that that was kind of my only injury. No, like juniors, pretty clear, college clear. So, I mean, obviously, as everyone knows, that's a big factor in being able to make it through, through the wash and all that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're, yeah, to avoid injury, I guess, to, to sustain that for, you know, at least a good 20 years is pretty wild to think. Yeah. No, so then I, yeah, I played mid AAA in Saskatoon for the Blazers. So that was a, a cool experience. Go half, three quarters of my grade 12 year living in Saskatoon. Yeah, and a little was, bit more travel, I guess, too, on that sense, where you guys, uh, did you didn't really come to Alberta, I guess, at that point. Did you no. go for any tournaments or anything? No, uh, we didn't qualify for the max that max, year. No. So we didn't get to come for the max. The top four teams in Saskatchewan qualify for the max. So we didn't get to go. Um, made a pretty good playoff run. Um, we were the seven seed, beat out the two seed, and then yeah. uh, ended up losing up to Tisdale where all those Melville guys that didn't go straight to the dub were playing, and they ended up um, – they won the Air Canada Cup or the TELUS Cup, as it's oh, called now. They? They, they won it that year. They knocked us out of playoffs. So can't be too mad about that. <laughs> yeah, I know, definitely. I mean, the SJ always comes out with some some good teams every year, really, that can be competitive too. So if uh, that's awesome that – you're able to make that run, I guess, for, for a quick experience at AAA. Yeah. Yeah. AAA was good. And then I, yeah, I got listed by Melville cause it was kind of my home community. And so they kind of had me protected Yeah, and awesome. uh, played my, my rookie year in Melville. And uh, that was, I felt like that was back in the day where if you were 18, like you just didn't play, like it was a heavy 20 year old league. Yeah. I remember I was like healthy scratched eight games in a row, uh, my rookie season. Oh, really? Off the bat kind of thing or just? No, not off the bat, like 20 games in. Yeah. And kind of right before the, the trade deadline, we traded two forwards for a D-man. Yeah. 
So me and uh, a buddy of mine from Calgary who I played all my junior with, uh, Kai Magnuson, we both got to come up and play. Yeah. And we started like putting up points and I ended up getting to go to the prospects game that year and ended up getting top four to the prospects game, which just kind of felt like the first chance I got to play all year. It's, it's funny how that happens, right? You just got to kind of be ready. It's, it's an interesting time at juniors. It really it can be for a lot of people, but do you, once you get a chance, it's really up, up to you at that point. hundred percent. It was always trying to get your chance. And then, uh, yeah. So rookie year, Malva, we had a really good team. Like I shouldn't have been playing in the top at all, like as an 18 year old, but it was nice to get, get a chance to show the team like, Hey, when you give me a chance, like I'll be good. Yeah. In my minds, you know, and uh, we made a really deep run. We went to the SJHL finals that year. Uh, my rookie season barns were just packed. We played Humboldt. Yeah. Uh, we lost to Humboldt in the league final. They went on to win the RBC. So it was two years in a row. We like got knocked out of playoffs by national champions. Yeah. I mean, that's good. That's good. You're playing against top end talent, right? So, yeah. So, so that was a lot of fun. And then, uh, yeah, my middle year in Malvo, we had a good team kind of uh, disappointed in playoffs. Uh, our coach got a job in the, our head coach got a job in the dub halfway through my, my 19 year old year. So we got brought a new coach in. Um, Jamie Fiesel, who ended up being in Mel for about 10 years. And Jamie was, I thought, really helpful for my hockey career. Yeah, it was, he, it was a good switch for you, hey? It was a really good switch. Steve Young was great to me. Um, he went to yep. PA, and, or Moose Jaw then, and then he was head coach in PA for a while. But he was good to me, but he just liked his older guys. That's just kind of how the SJ used to be, right? And the kind of focus on the dub in a way, if you want to go that route as a coach. So you can't blame him at the same time, right? So. So we got brought this guy, Jamie Fiesel, he's from Regina, but he spent like 15 years playing in Germany. And awesome. just a, a, a huge personality, short, a, a short guy with a huge personality, like in practice, we do a shootout and he'd come in and he'd win the shootout. And right. Oh, yeah. It's like, he just brought a ton of fun and enthusiasm. And yeah. uh, I think like our personalities really clicked and he really helped me with kind of with scoring and stuff. Yeah. And ended up being basically close to a point a game as a 19 year old on the third line. It's got to feel good too. Hey, like it's putting up points at that age at 19. Really? Like, yeah. I remember like thinking back then, like, man, I just, I want to be first up for the change on the bench so I can get on with some good players and see if I can get, get some points. Yeah. No shit. Like, it's, just, it's just working for you. Right. It's finally coming all together. You do whatever you can. And then uh, my 20 year old year, I, I went back to Melville and I was the captain of Melville and I uh, was having an unreal year. Our team was really bad. Yeah, but uh, I was leading the, the SJ in scoring for most of the year. Set the, I was second. I ended up second that year in scoring. But uh, he asked, and I got if I wanted to, you know, go to a contending team. And I said, yeah, I'd love to. And so they traded me to Estevan at the deadline. Yeah, I was going to ask what what went into that trade because really, yeah, why would you get rid of someone? But it makes sense. I kind of got the sense that you were going to go to a team that could make a run potentially. Yeah, Estevan was the number one rated junior team in Canada at the time. They had like won 12 games. They had like a ton of guys back from the dub and big yeah. and tough. It was in the old Estevan rink that was a really small ice surface. So there was a few options. Like he asked, you know, me and Kai. Kai was my, my winger and Kai ended up getting traded to Weyburn and they ended up winning the RBC when they hosted it that year. Oh, it did. It was awesome. Um, Kai went to Weyburn and I went to Estevan. But he, he sat us down and he said, you know, this team in PEI is offering us a lot of money for both of you. I don't think I want to send you guys to PEI. Yeah. Like what, we, you can go to Alberta or BC or there's some Saskatchewan teams that are really interested. And we both said, you know, we, we're fine to stay and stay home and stay in the league here. And absolutely. And, do. and we ended up both getting Kai into Holy Cross and I got to go to Sacred Heart. So, yeah, I was going to ask you, so getting into the junior A route, obviously it's a now like NCAA teams might be coming to the game, especially early on in the season and starting to talk and kind of do some recruiting. Uh, when did you kind of realize you had to write the SAT for one? Uh, what were your high school like academics like and what was your kind of focus there and um, how did it translate into the SAT prep? And then what was your experience going through that recruiting process with uh, those, all those coaches coming down? Um, so I, I've been a, I mean, a good student. School has kind of come, come easier to me. I, I was an honor roll student kind of awesome. all the way through high school. Um, SAT prep, I wrote it once. I think I got 1040 the first time, and then I wanted to write it again, and I got 1170 the second time. Yeah. Um, was it uh, like, did you prep through the junior team, or is it something you did on your own? Uh, I did it on my own. Otherwise, yeah, awesome. 
That they didn't do that back then. Yeah. They, there wasn't a lot of, yeah, it's crazy to think. Back. Yeah. Like none. Um, and then, yeah, you're like asking me if I was getting recruited. Like I was really frustrated. I was leading the league in scoring for the first two months and I didn't talk to one team, didn't get one like envelope in the mail from any D one teams, a few D three teams and, and whatnot. Yeah. I was really frustrated. I never talked to one division one team until after Christmas, my 20 year old year. No way. Hey, all, all three years. Do you think that had to do with just the way travel was back then? And I mean, you couldn't watch games on TV early. So right. there was no yeah. like exposure in a way. Like after being down in the NCAA and being around those coaches and assistant coaches that do the recruiting and stuff, it's like, if you have a choice to fly into interior or BC in January, or you can fly into Regina yeah, and drive exactly. around Saskatchewan, and like, what are you going to do? Exactly. And the NCAA kind of like pigeonholes them in a way that they can't expand their recruiting network to have like scouts up here. Right. So it's really just about the, how far that coach is willing to go travel. <laughs> right. Yeah. Then, and I, I was, I was lucky that like the coach at Sacred Heart actually went to Notre Dame and he, he's from Saskatchewan. Oh, perfect. He yeah. Know a few people and he was asking around and guys kind of recommended me, mm-hmm. um, you know, guys I played against their, their dads and stuff like that. So that kind of came as like, you know, I was really appreciative for that. Yeah. That really helped me get on the radar. And to be honest, I committed to Sacred Heart before I even flew down there. I did. not Did you? They offered me a really, a really good scholarship, yeah. you know, paid for seven out of eight semesters of my schooling. Like, oh I, yeah i can't ask yeah. for better than that right right it was uh, yeah so i was just like yep i'll take it <laughs> yeah i mean fairfield connecticut's awesome just connecticut in general it's so close to new york city so that must have been a pretty wild experience coming out of sas going to connecticut i guess well what was your fly down like because for me that was my first like travel like flying travel to the u.s so it was it was a wild time it was it was uh, a lot of fun we had obviously there was good guys in the team that showed me around showed me a good time <laughs> You know, I go for breakfast with the coach the next morning and I had fucking writing all over my heart, yeah. <laughs> writing on the passed out recruit. Yeah, so, uh, that was pretty, it was pretty funny, but no, it was good. It, uh, Connecticut is, uh, is an awesome place. It's more of a sleepier state, right? It's kind of where all New York City's money goes to get away from all the action. Yeah. Um, fly into LaGuardia, um, take a train from um from grand central up there is kind of how we traveled most of the time. My first time my, on my visit, the coach picked me up. Yeah. From the airport and driving with him. But like my first, I flew in there by myself carrying hockey bag and all this shit onto like grand central subway. And uh, I'm talking to my littlest brother. When I, when I get there, I, I don't even have a cell phone. I got a, a, a normal phone in my dorm room. Yeah, <laughs> and it, It's it's September and he's, <laughs> he's 10 years younger than me. He's like, so what did the crops like uh, look like on your drive from New York to, to Connecticut? I was That's like, what he's asking. It's all city all the way. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Like a younger kid like that age is thinking and assuming that's what it's like down there. That's awesome. Right. So yeah. 45 minute drive. How could you not see any crops? Yeah. I don't shit. It's concrete jungle, like driving through the Bronx. Like that's it's a wild yeah. place for sure. It was a cool place to be, to go to school. You know, it's 45 minutes north of New York City, two hours south of Boston. So, got Yeah, what was the campus like? Like, when you got there, I must have been pretty amazed at at the whole situation too, right? Like, taking it all in. That's one of those things that I think is what, like, makes people successful is going into a situation kind of blinded. And then just if it overwhelms them, they love it, right? They can take it all in because they're prepared for it. No, totally. I I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I had... uh, they recruited a guy from the Manitoba league who's from Saskatchewan who I played on a traveling team with as a kid, Dave Grimson. We were roommates for four years, lived same, you know, in college and she share a bedroom. So we had two beds yeah. and a bedroom for four years. Yeah. That's awesome. Hey. Yeah. So it was good. It's great guys. The campus was cool. It's not a big school. It was like 6,000, I think when I was going to school there. So it's a, a lot private. of res- on like residential on campus. All, everyone, all everybody's on campus. Yeah, that's awesome. It's it's a really, uh, I mean, it's a big sports school. I had like 32 division one team programs. So it's basically crazy. like yeah. everyone there is an athlete in something. Like we had a yeah. bowling team, we had a fencing team, like you name it, they threw money at it. <laughs> Did you play any club sports through there or like no, internal stuff? No, uh, I don't think we were overly allowed to. We, we always like organized a softball game against the lacrosse team. And then we play a softball game against the softball girls team. Yeah. But, soccer against chicks yeah. yeah that was always like the soccer chicks are always the most fit chicks so they're yeah. always 
good to that. That was a good game. That was what my brother said at Holy Cross. They would play the soccer girls for a keg and like that host the party kind of thing. And they always beat them. So. Yeah, no, it, uh, yeah, you know, you find angles like that to play. <laughs> yeah, right. But that's just the whole experience of going to college. So, um, what was the hockey situation like? Did you, uh, did they have a full roster carrying a lot of local guys or was it kind of dispersed amongst everywhere? Um, no, it was kind of the team is usually half and half, half Canadians, half Americans. Um, back then when I played, like, I think the Atlantic hockey was only allowed like 12 scholarships per season. Okay. Right? Like, per year you can only pay for 12 guys a year um so we had a lot of like you know well-off american guys that were good to a little better than good hockey players yeah kind of paying pay pay their way and they split up the scholarships among the canadians and some of the american guys yeah that's kind of i think very similar to this day except for some of those big teams like the boston university and boston college like that local talent goes to those schools and then the rest kind of filter out throughout so um, Sacred Heart, though, I mean, it's, uh, I guess, Connecticut school. So you get New York kids and some Massachusetts kids down there and a lot of Connecticut as well, I guess. For sure. And, I mean, obviously, half New York, half Boston school is. And yeah. Connecticut kids and lots of Long Island. And, I mean, that was right in the heart of the Patriots' first Super Bowl runs. Oh, hell yeah. The, the crazy Yankees-Red Sox, like the Red Sox comeback from, like, being down 3-0, like, campus was just insane during those days and yeah. i think the giants won uh their super bowl against the patriots then too so we had like yankees red Sox, like literal like guys up that, that were from jersey shore like fighting each other in the hallways over like yankees red Sox or patriots giants oh, i like, can see that hey <laughs> just those... right during the jersey shore days and uh yeah. like all those like italians <laughs> the italian guys yeah 100 <laughs> Like in the gym and wife beaters carrying around like a four liter jug of water and just like screaming out all the reps. Yeah. Like the Long Islanders. Yeah. Heavy accents. Yeah. Oh, it was crazy. I was just like, my eyes were just opened. Like they all thought I was from Ireland because like my Canadian, my Saskatchewan accent. Yeah. I bet. eh? They're probably like, what the hell? (laughs) So it, it was good. It was a really good time. And the hockey was good. I, uh, my freshman year, I got, really lucky. I, like I'm a right-handed shot. I'm a natural right winger. Um, and they started me on left wing on the third line for the first like four games, I think. And then I went to the coach's office and just like, just so you know, like I'll be productive if you put me on the right side. And uh, the next weekend he switched me over. I played with the first line with two Frenchmen. Um, we're really good friends, Pierre-Luc O'Brien and Alex Perrant. And uh, honestly, we just took off. Did you? Like, we played eight games in November and I had 20 points. What did, what did the coach say? Did he say anything about it? The coach? Yeah. No, he was just like, <laughs> he was happy. Like, yeah, he's like, I, I knew I made the right decision. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> made him look like a genius. Like, yeah. we, like, it was just one of those situations where hockey senses just lined up. 100%. And power play was rocking, backdoor tappings like crazy. Like, yeah. You know, lots of guys are happy to get 20 points in a in a season in the NCAA. Like everyone on our line had 20 points that month of November. I mean, yeah, like now it's kind of registering in eight games, 20 points in the NCAA is like kind of unheard of, I guess. Yeah, what was the was, uh, were you getting rookies or yeah, rookie of the week? And yeah, uh, like I had a bunch of rookie of the weeks. Like yeah, hell yeah, this games a hat trick. Like I never had a hat trick. Junior midget triple A midget bantam nothing. And like I think four goal games. <laughs> Who were you playing? Like what teams were you scoring these against? Do you remember? Uh UConn. I had a four goal game against UConn. And it was our last game before the playoffs. Yeah. And uh that was actually a bad idea. We ended up playing them in playoffs the next weekend. And it was like uh a best of one was playoffs back then. Oh, one and, and done. Uh, yeah. So I scored four goals, I think three on the power play the weekend before playoffs. Yeah. And they just power play on film and they had a goalie that was the weird hand i couldn't score in playoffs and they eliminated us and we were the two seed and they're the seven Damn. so that that was kind of heartbreaking and uh like really fueled my fire um like you know to come back but for sure look, looking back now like that rookie year i had was i mean i was naive to uh, how good it was like when we got eliminated from playoffs, I was the leading rookie scorer in the nation. Yeah. So you finished as a leader 
in but, well uh, i didn't finish because yeah i guess you got knocked out like playoffs count so i was one phil kessel was two blake wheeler was three no way those guys missed some time because they were away at world juniors yeah but then soda made like a they were their playoffs were best of three in their in their conference so they played like 10 games in their conference in playoffs and then they went to the tournament so castle yeah. ended up getting like i think 50 some points i ended up with like 43 but we had stopped playing like six weeks before that yeah well i mean that's awesome man fuck i mean you must have been at that point been like hell yeah i'm doing something right and feeling really right. good about it yeah it, it was it was awesome i was pumped i was loving it you know it was cool to be on campus. People yeah, on campus school was coming easy, I guess, for you. I got like a uh, freshman male athlete of the year for the school. Fuck yeah. Like, big awards. I remember like getting back into my dorm and like going up the elevator with my suit on and I was like holding a couple trophies <laughs> and some girl looked at me like, you must be pretty good. And like my teammates <laughs> with me, I was like, ah, not bad, I guess. <laughs> and my teammates like, fuck that. He's an Italian guy. Fuck that. He's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I mean, yeah, congrats to, to this day. I mean, that's quite the accomplishment, really. It must have been feeling awesome once you got that recognition that early on in your college career. It was it was really cool. Like, it was just kind of naive. Like, you know, everyone thinks you go from junior to NCAA, like, it's going to be a huge jump. And, you, you know, you're going to be healthy scratched a bunch. And, you know, that's kind of the usual progression. But my coach gave me a chance and I just yeah. never let him change his mind I guess like it's just at the end of the day it, it's still just hockey and we just had a line that clicked and that's what it's all about a lot of teams spend four years trying to figure out those lines and coaches coming and going so recruiting patterns are different right so you and you only played like you said 36 games kind of in a full season so it's a weekend war every every time it is it is it, it was a lot of fun and like in the NCAA, like the tournament, like going to just random Christmas tournaments and holiday tournaments are yeah. always awesome. Where like, did you go? Where, where were those ones at? We went to the Denver Christmas tournament, yeah, which was a lot of fun. Um, Tyler Bozak's from Regina and he was playing in Denver then. So, you know, got to see him after the game and chat with him. Guys live on the other side of the country. And we went to a Providence tournament. Um, had a, That was during that November. I was telling you about like first game of the tournament, my line, he had like, three and one I had four assists and then you know awesome. we ended up getting like first team all-stars in the tournament because it's a it's just a four-team tournament you play yeah. two games so it was uh yeah the, the tournaments were a lot of fun um and you get, you get swag at the tournaments and stuff like that so I just remember coming home at Christmas and you you get like a five-day break but half the time you'd be delayed on your flight so you'd get like a, a half a day at home and have to go back and get right into those Christmas tournaments which were really awesome right, at the end of the day I remember coming home. We uh, coming home from De a Denver turn that Denver Christmas tournament. We had like four days, and yeah, I got snowed in in Calgary and just slept on a bench <laughs> in the airport. It's like a poor college kid. Like I can't afford to go get a hotel room. <laughs> yeah, like, or sleeping on the bench and drinking from the water fountain. <laughs> <laughs> but you're sheltered, I guess. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it's not. I mean, there's worse situations. But, but it is like it's, it's a. At it's a tough travel in the dead of winter when you, the only time you really get for going home to see your friends and family. So hundred percent. Yeah. And I mean, for us, for flying from Regina to Toronto, Toronto to LaGuardia, like anytime in February, Christmas, like there's just yeah, yeah. Over there. It's, it's brutal to try to fly. I got stuck in, I got stuck in Toronto one night going back to school. And one of my old teammates was playing for the Marlies up and down with the Leafs and the Marlies. And uh, must've been, Easter or something crazy, but they were having their year end party. And I just got storm stayed in Toronto and I got to part, like I was partying with Pogi and uh, Tyson Nash and these guys like out till real late. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. like Stars aligned and I was there for their year end party. That's perfect. I mean, it's, it's one of those situations too, that you find yourself saying like, Holy shit, that's great. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. So did you end up getting uh, any on any NHL radars at that point and invited to camps at all? Um, I didn't go to back then. There wasn't those like development camps like there are now. Yeah, yeah. So upset about that. Um, looking back, um, we 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 got beat by the seven seed. We were the two seed my freshman year, and I was just like really hungry to get back. And then didn't even think about having an agent or any yeah. of that. It was not on my radar because you know a year before I'm playing in Melville and Estevan, and you don't think about that. Yeah. Looking back, I mean that would probably be the one thing I wish I could do over again was maybe explore that option then. Yeah. Um, just cause playing 
you know, four years of college, if you re- like, if you really want to make it, like it, it, it drags on only playing 30 games a year, just oh, play yeah. Friday, Saturday night. Like you can't get on the groove. Like you do in junior playing a Tuesday, a Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Do you think you would have maybe made the move to, uh, if you had a pro offer, been the guy that would have left sophomore, junior year type of thing? At that point in my life, I could have seen myself being like, yeah, then. Um, Absolutely. Especially have some success right there. Right. Like if you put up those kind of numbers now, right. And your freshman year, like you're getting a entry level contract for sure. Yeah, actually. Yeah. You'd probably play maybe your sophomore year, but you'd probably get signed right out of there to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So looking back, I, I call, I, I had an agent at the end of my junior year. Um, and he just said like, there's nothing out there. So I just played it. And yeah, it just, my, my, my stats never got better than my freshman year. Um, the, my second year, I think at 40 points and th- low 30 games. So then 40 the next year, then my last year, our team was really bad. And yeah, I led the scoring, but I like was just under a point a game. Yeah. Well, so yeah, I mean, then you make a debut that season, your uh, senior year, I guess with in the East coast or is it? Yeah. In the ECHL. Yeah. yeah. I went to Elmira at the end of the year. I was hoping obviously like anybody for an American league tr- shot. Yeah. Um, waited like five days, never came. So I just went up for, uh, drove up to Elmira. Actually had one of my roommates drive me up. Cause I didn't even take a, I never took a car to school. We lived right on campus and yeah. no point. went out from Sask. So I had my roommate drive me up to Elmira and he stayed to watch the game. The team got me a hotel room that night. And uh, sweet. It couldn't have been a better start. I had two Genos in the first period. Did you? <laughs> Hell yeah. It was unreal. I remember the captain coming in after the first and I was all pumped. We were up 3 1. And he's like, hey, you don't make a career in one period. And fuck, was he ever right? <laughs> yeah. You didn't need to hear that right then, eh? No, it was, it was, he was right. He was a guy from Saskatchewan yeah. and it, like he was like 35 and I'm like, you know, 23, 24 year old, just wide eyed. But that's hockey sentence right there, right? You, you know where to go in that situation and put yourself yeah, in it was, a uh, scoring spot. And they put me with some good players. I was playing, I'm sure you know, Colton Yellowhorn. Yeah. yeah. So oh yeah. Fuck yeah. Horn. And uh, Brendan Connolly, who's from Camrose, they're both still playing, I think. Yeah, I, I had Yellow on the pod, like, for episode three, I think. Oh, nice, yeah. Yeah, I so grew I up with him kind of in Lethbridge there, so. Yeah, I lived with Horn there, and uh, Brendan Connolly, who's from Canmore, who went to Fair State. Yeah. Um, they had us on the line, and yeah, it, just, it, it clicked. And uh, I was, like, a point of game for a couple of games, and then we're practicing, a guy throws a sauce across the ice, hits the top of a player's blade, shoots like right into my face as I'm sitting on the bench at practice and just busts me up like two no days way. before playoffs. And the coach is like, I'm not, the coach at the time was like, I'm not, I'm not playing you go back to college. And I was like, I'm fine. He's like, no, I was like, I can put a cage on. Like I played for the cage for the last four years. And he's like, no, go back to school. It was that bad. Hey, it, it was, it, it was like, I think eight or 10 stitches, but yeah, yeah it's... I, I was fine to play through it, but yeah. Right. You know, he probably other guys coming down from the American league for, for playoffs or whatnot. So that's true. So that what a shitty thing, thing though. Yeah. It, it, it sucked. It was, uh, it was shitty, but whatever went back and yeah. finished off your year and had a lot of fun doing that. Yeah. So school went well, I guess in that sense, it was probably fun graduating with the guys that you're living with for those four years on campus that's the beautiful thing about those residential schools like you just get to stay on campus with all your classmates basically all your classmates everybody the whole school right it's like four thousand yeah. people 20 to 24 living yeah. what it is so it was awesome graduating was great um i took a couple classes while i was playing junior just online through the u of r and that kind of helped i got when i wanted to go play pro at the end of the year i was only taking four classes both oh, semesters nice. my senior year, I only took four classes. Um, got out of there with a business finance degree. Um, I, I really like enjoyed some of the some of the school, some of the classes that you had to take, like same like any school writing and yeah. We were, uh, we were a Catholic school, so you had to take two religion classes and stuff like that. Like couldn't be bothered with really. But <laughs> yeah, I did a lot of debating in those classes. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, just put my hand up all the time. Yeah. But I did, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed uh, 
the, the whole atmosphere, you know, um, yeah. they talk about education, uh, post-secondary education, but I feel like you actually learn how to interact, how to live on your own, how to spend money, not spend money. Like just the life skills is more of the asset you pick up. Exactly. My, my takeaway. I, yeah, I totally agree with that. Like the interpersonal skills, just with different people and different athletes too. It's, it's cool to meet people from different backgrounds like that. For sure. Yeah. No, I, I love the NCAA experience. I mean, I, I still think the dub is the best league in the world for prepping guys to play in the NHL. Yeah. You'll never convince me otherwise, but if you're not destined for the NHL and you're okay with that, like the NCAA, you might still get there and you meet a lot of great people and make a lot of cool connections all around North America and have a blast. Absolutely. I mean, that's kind of what happened with me in a sense too. I've just, I played and then I never made it to the WHL. I would have went that way if there was offers, but played juniors and got an opportunity. And that's really at the end of the day, all I really was playing for and it's fortunate for it to happen. So. No, exactly. Exactly. I feel like I got more than, more than I could have ever dreamed of out of, out of hockey for sure. Yeah. So then you play, you do play the next year and kind of bounce around for a few teams. And then uh, what was it like? Did you kind of call it quits there? Cause. Yeah. So I actually signed with Victoria um, out of, after my, like after my senior year, I signed yep. with Victoria um, Salmon Kings went to camp with Manitoba Moose um, got sent to Victoria and every, I had a contract with Victoria, probably too big of a contract looking back now. Yeah. Um, but you take what they offer and it's, yeah, you know, yeah. no to it. And uh, they ended up keeping 10 forwards that all had American league experience. And, but they were all, they were all left-handed, which I, I, I couldn't comprehend Just... that. I went into the coach's office after I was like, you're keeping 10 left-handed forwards. Like, what are you doing? He's like, you're cut. Get out of here. Basically. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, but get out of here. <laughs> right. And then they started the year 0 and 6 and made a bunch of calls to guys that they had cut. Yeah. I wasn't one of them probably because I fucking went in his office and asked him about that. Yeah. Um, then I ended up hanging out for like a month because I didn't have a work visa for the US. Yeah. So I hung around for a month or two. Um, finally, a team in the Central League said, like, hey, we'll pay for your visa. You can pay a game for us. Then we'll, like, we'll go where you go. My agent kind of made a deal or whatever. Yeah. So down to Shreveport, Louisiana and played one game for the Mud Bugs. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And then uh, my old coach in um, Elmira signed me signed me back after I had my visa. So awesome. I went up there and was playing well. I think like you know up and down the the lines, but you're only dressing ten forwards, so you're getting to play with some good players. And uh, and they we we started playing really well, making a run. And then at the trade deadline, he traded me to Johnstown for you know a guy that was experienced, like a five six year veteran in the league. Yeah. So I went to Johnstown and uh, where's that? Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. So, okay. Yeah. So in Johnstown is where they shot slap shot. Is it? Yeah, I was wondering. And it was hilarious because it was the exact same thing playing out. Johnstown's team was moving to South Carolina at the end of the year. So really? like, it was identical to slap shot. We're playing in slap shots, old rink. They're closing the team down, moving them south. We're all kind of like living that. Up we were totally living it and like cbc came for the last home game and like did a big thing on how it was the exact kind of the exact same scenario and it's the last game in the johnstown coliseum where they filmed slap shot teams moving south just like the movie and uh, we were playing elmira my old team for the last last year and a bit of the year before and so i went over to their dressing room before the game and i said hey guys like this is like you know there's the building is 100 capacity CBC's here. There's a bunch of news people here. Let's make like old time hockey, and we're all doing warm up without helmets. Your team, our team, both. Yeah, and they're yeah. like, yeah, it's on. Let's do it. <laughs> so everybody did it. So the like refs couldn't give anybody tens or anything because everybody did it. Oh fuck yeah! I mean, <laughs> orchestrating fights. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was pretty cool, but yeah. So then that Johnstown team moved south. They got a new owner. Didn't get my contract renewed. I. Uh, Signed in Idaho uh, the next year. Yeah. And going to camp, I ended up taking a slap shot in the face um, during camp and 
they kept me around for 10 days until I was healed. They said, you're on the team. And then I said, I'm good to go. They released me. Yeah. I said, well, we don't have enough apartments to keep an extra guy. Like Fuck. just shit like that in the minors. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I was dating a girl in California at the time. So I just went down to California from there and got a job, uh, with a family, family business. My cousins have a business down there and was working there, stayed there for like six months. Yep. And, uh, so I had my visa from hockey and I get a call from Idaho one weekend when I'm in Vegas, I party in Vegas for the yeah. weekend and the coach in Idaho calls me, Hey, uh, we only got eight forwards for the next two weeks. Do you think you can come play? Really? I'm in Vegas. And I was like, my ego is like, yep, I'll be there. <laughs> I literally, after I got <laughs> let go, I zipped up my hockey bag and threw it in a garden shed where we're living. I had really? a bag in six months. So I'm like, I'm just full of anxiety for like the next day and a half before my flight that they said, like full of anxiety. So I go and I practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then we got three games and three nights and I'm yeah. just gassed the first game, but I, I feel all right. Like the hands are fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. Second game, I score a goal. And the guy's like, what the fuck, man? You haven't been on the ice in six months? I was like, no, man. I guess it's like riding a bike. <laughs> yeah, really. I, play, I, I played again. And then uh, they just like, hey, we need you the next weekend too. And we're playing in Ontario, California. Awesome. And uh, I'm like, okay, but I'm like living there. So I'm going to go home and work at my job. And I'll meet you guys at the rink for morning skates. Yeah. And play that weekend. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. like, like senior hockey, but in the East Coast League. And uh, so I go and meet them. And uh, my that first game that night, we played, we just played Friday, Saturday. That first first night, I had a go Gordy Howe hat trick, had a goal assist in a fight. Really? So like, and this is all I need. Like, this is perfect. I love this. Played the next night. And uh, they asked me after the game, like, hey, do you want to stay the rest of the year? And I was just like, you know what? I'm good. I got a job. I just wanted to hear you say that. I just wanted to hear you ask me if I'd play the rest of the year. Thank you. And yeah. Went Thanks around. I went on with the rest of my life. <laughs> it's interesting how it worked out too. Hey, just being able to like be in California there for that your second weekend series, and it was it was really cool. Yeah, the, the girl I was dating time never seen me play hockey. Like got to come come to a game. My family down there I got to come and watch, and yeah, yeah. it was fun. Always good to get a Gordy Howe. That's the best. Yeah, thing. how was the fight? It was good. It was up on YouTube for a while. Yeah, I don't know. It got taken down. I fought Alex Beret, who was like a number one uh, first round pick. But oh, really? Yeah, it was nothing crazy. No bloodshed. Yeah, yeah well, it's funny too because I was reading some articles about uh, your hockey career and all that. And then at one point, your your name was like top ten hockey names. Did, did yeah. you ever see those articles? Yeah. yeah, my mom would always show me that stuff. She always loved shit like that. Yeah, between uh, Cal Clutterbuck and uh, Ben Blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my name. Uh, my name's got me a lot of attention over the oh, years. I bet, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, you're in uh, now. You're still, I guess, living in Ontario, California, or in that uh, inland empire area. We're, yeah, what, like Rancho or uh, no, we were living in Manhattan Beach actually, which was okay. pretty pretty swanky. We had just a tiny little place, but living there and working, and then uh, yeah, just kind of decided to move home. Transition in life, yeah, yeah time to move home and get on with it so yeah let's uh i kind of want to talk to you a lot about well as much as we can here about uh vp energy services so you come home and you start working a little bit kind of undecided really what you're you're passionate about i guess uh but you fast forward to 2016 you guys see an opportunity um and you kind of get together and take the risk and, and get it going it seems to be you guys are doing great things out in uh, saskatchewan nowadays yeah. Um, to be honest, a couple of my friends that, you know, went to school and went right into work, they were involved in some private oil companies. Guys are just making big bank back, yep. you know, early 2010, 2015 in, in that time. And I just kind of saw that. And uh, I was working in a private capital markets company, like helping raise money for private companies. Yep. Kind of just like, shit, I think I could, like, I, I could do this. I, I know how to raise money. I know what the appetite is for investment, what you, what you got to give up to to get people to invest. And so I just left there and went out and raised the money and, uh, and yeah, got, got some investors on board. Thank goodness. You know, people had some faith in what I was seeing and yep. the apps that we wanted to buy and faith in me from what I hear most of all from those guys, like, yeah, we just yeah. get it done. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. They, they're the ones that probably really see the opportunities as they move through their career early on. And then you are getting paid pretty good money to do a lot of heavy work. So uh, if you do see an opportunity and get people to believe in you to, to back you and you, know, you definitely have opportunities to capitalize on. For sure. And so that was kind of after that 2014, 15 crash, right? Um, you know, oil crashes every seven to 10 years and it's usually just down for two or three. Yeah. So I kind of want to take a big swing in my thirties. I feel like, you know, if you missed, it's like you could, you still have time to re reset, but, um, thought we had a good asset. We, uh, got a company that was just kind of on the verge of bankruptcy. Um, that was kind of stuck in the stone age and yeah. scooped it up. Um, took all the equipment they had. It was all just really old and really, really bad condition. Took it all to the auction, bought all new stuff. You know, when we took over, they were using a printer that had like this, the dots on the side and like spun the reels out for your tickets for the oil field. And yeah. I brought in uh, some new software um, and the office ladies that we had were like, if you switch the software, like we're done. And I was like, we got to update it. And then they all walked out on me like on a Friday afternoon. So me and a couple of buddies that I'd hired were trying to figure out how to run the computer system on the weekend before we opened again. Um, but yeah, other than a few like big hiccups at the start, it's, yeah. it's been really, really good. Uh, the oil industry is amazing. The, the intelligence and the intellectual, um, just figuring out, figuring out, you know, the, the processes and how to do things more efficiently. And I've, I've really enjoyed like the camaraderie in that industry and like just learning from, from people you work with. Oh, absolutely, man. It's one of those industries and, and work that you do that you can be proud of, in my opinion. And what the kind of the conversation I want to have with you today was I growing up in Lethbridge, I was kind of, I didn't, I wasn't really aware of the oil and gas industry. My folks weren't in it. So I didn't have that exposure kind of thing. And then following the hockey route down to the East coast, again, kind of not really understanding, but I know it's definitely the biggest industry out here. But once I got back in 2018, I started kind of getting into it, with the water infrastructure and just learning and talking about what these guys are doing and how they're figuring out how to drill seven kilometers in the ground to get oil. It's like, those things are fascinating to me. If there's any guy that the rode the bus back in the junior days, like they watched Armageddon and like, that was like the most, like the best movie ever. Right. So when I realized like, that's essentially what they're doing, but then they go in with other technologies to actually like crack the rock and open it up. Like you can't find smarter people. I don't think in the world, unless you're sending people to space. No, uh, the, the minds that work on some of this stuff is incredible. And as much as people want to hate on it, it is still the world's biggest industry. It's the world's most important industry. Um, there might be some tech companies valuations right now that are through the moon that maybe upset that apple cart, but oil is still the biggest industry in the world, the most important industry in the world. And the minds that are working on that stuff, you know, in Calgary, um, yeah, the, the guys that, that figure out how, like, think about how cheap, what we, like, I hate to say it, but we're paying like a buck 25 a liter at the pump, but think of the process that has to go into getting it there. Like it's, you know, gas is cheaper than milk. Yeah. Well, then, that's, that's what I've understood now. Again, I've not familiar with it. So I had now three years of understanding what's going on. Like these companies have been forced to innovate to beat government regulations. And right. they're now they're just like tenfold beating them. And I don't, the government, the government just kind of moving the goalposts, but that innovation has led to some insanely crazy things what happened so i kind of wanted to get your take on what are some of the unique things that you've seen in the oil field and kind of where you see the next you know one three five years of of the market and what it looks like um i mean the innovation some of the tools that guys are sending down hole to you know to fracture the rock with you know drill it down and they can open it remotely to to open rockets you know they got 18 stage i think they're at like 30 stage fracks now like breaking up 30 different stages and you know it's all coming up so just the innovation is amazing the work ethic you know what i mean like mm -hmm. i got guys that you know put in 160 hour like two week stretches like you know they're working four weeks in a in a two-week period like the work that goes in from the people in coveralls is is not appreciated enough Obviously in Western Canada, it's a little more appreciated than it is out East, but the work that it takes guys hauling oil all night from batteries, guys hauling water, fracking in the middle of the night, drilling all night in the middle of the night. Like our business is open 24 seven. If they call for pipe at three in the morning, 
we got to get guys out of bed and take it to them right when they want it. Like that's the business. It's a service business. Yeah. And, and people's work ethics is, is what kind of built that, that industry, obviously innovation, but just the work ethic of guys out in the field and the innovation of people in, in Calgary. It's, it's amazing. It, it's, it's incredible to me. It really like, it's something I'm extremely proud of being from Western Canada is that work ethic that you're developed. It's really not about like going to work just to pay the bills. Like it's going to work to actually do something. And if you're in the middle of the night doing a frack, like, and then the sun starts coming up, just the landscape you're in and like the whole idea and appreciation for what it produces is what people out here understand about the industry, but other people that don't know about the intricacies of it, which a lot of people are kind of blinded to and they don't choose to look at it just they think bad things but really at the end of the day these are the people that care about the environment the most 100 <laughs> percent. they're living in it we're living like, we live yeah. in the environment the farmers need our farm in the environment like the oil like we're not gonna we're not gonna wreck it yeah permanently forever right like we're not bit like go downtown like joe rogan talks about it a lot like you fly over the mountains into la like it looks like a cancer on the earth like it's just all concrete jungle like it looks like it's not supposed to be there like a city how, how good is that covering up everything in concrete yeah and <laughs> like the idea of uh well rogan i guess is just i've i it's funny because i was back in 2008 i think he was kind of wanting to start in his podcast i remember my buddy rob shaw here mentioned we should check it out and i think from that, that day i've kind of just followed him since but again he kind of thinks along the same lines as me and he's exactly right with la and just the problems of that state that are being produced because of this it's becoming extremely evident yeah no and, and talking about western canadians like when i was playing in elmira i lived with two twin brothers uh tyler and justin donati um really good players they both had over 100 points that year in elmira like yeah. i think the two brothers to ever play together and score under over 100 points in a pro season together but uh I, we used to go back and forth because they're from toronto or london like right in the heart of it yeah, and they like oh Saskatchewan Hicks blah blah blah, and I used I used to say to them we had this argument all the time as a kind of a running joke. I said, well Saskatchewan we grow wheat and men. And he's like, yeah, in Toronto we grow buildings and money. <laughs> that I mean just go back and forth. I was like, we grow wheat and men, and he's like, yeah, we grow buildings and money. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, fuck, he's right, and totally. you're you're right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and not, neither of us are wrong, but it was just like a funny back and forth there. You know they come in their fancy suits and I'd come in some old plaid hand-me-down suit or something like yeah. that. No, it no. was a good back and forth, but I honestly believe, I believe that, you know? Yeah. And well, it's, you're exactly right. Like the skilled workforce that is here is what is driving this industry forward at the end of the day. And then the, obviously the people doing the research and development on top of that. And there's some r really cool opportunities coming into Sketch. I was I've been following that uh, helium exp exploration. It seems like that could be a huge economic driver in the next decade totally and uh i mean out of our swift current operations we service we've been servicing royal helium uh we used to service the north american helium operation out of our our kindersley yard yeah um but yeah with that new helium processing plant they got now you know yeah. it's one thing to drill for a product and find it but now when, what do you do with it when you take it out of the ground so now they got that helium processing facility down in the swift current area so i think that there's potential for that to be to, to be a good opportunity for you know all the oil field services to to get in there and 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 service that that growing Absolutely. industry yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens with once the economy rebounds you can call it like whatever they let us go go to work again uh it'll be interesting to see what comes out of this right there's been a lot of mergers and acquisitions in the last little bit energy service companies i'm sure have been kind of figuring out ways to collaborate really at the end of the day to to get the, the ball moving forward so it'll be awesome to see because i know what is coming is going to be is going to be great yes i think uh I'm, i i think that the the ride i'm you know we've been waiting for since we got in in 2016 is we're on the precipice of it yep um but yeah the the mergers and acquisitions you know the oil companies are buying production buying you know buying small oil companies and buying production cheaper than they can drill for it. So that's, you know, that's another thing that's keeping the rig count down. But once it all starts to shake out and the price, you know, if the price levels off at 65, it gets to 70 here, you know, they got to start bringing it out of the ground. It's too, too profitable to not. So yeah, I, I could really see it getting ramped back up. I mean, I think everybody in Alberta and Saskatchewan follows Eric Nuttall and his commentary on, 
on social medias and his appearances on BNN. So yeah, the, the outlook seems positive. It's just a kind of a waiting game really at the end of the day. So, yep. Oh, we're really looking forward to it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, well, yeah, bear. I mean, uh, appreciate you having, having you on for the, the conversation. I feel like, uh, it, it's cool to hear hockey guys that use their background or use their hockey experience to then move on into creating something new for themselves, really. Cause you're, 25 years of your life you're a hockey player and then all of a sudden you're not one day right so and then you have to figure out what is next and it can take some people a few years and some people right away to get on that new path so it's really cool and, and awesome to see that you're you know founder a company and you're you're doing well with, with your partners yeah no it took me a few years and to be honest that transition was tough on me mentally too yeah I, uh, I know we were going to talk about it but i ended up uh, being a junior uh, assistant coach with the junior A team. In yeah, no, let's, yeah, let's do touch on that. What, what kind of got you into that? What, uh, it was saw an opportunity. Um, to be honest, my uh, youngest brother was playing in Notre Dame and uh, they had an opening for the head coach. I applied and they're like, well, we already have a head coach picked. Um, do you want to be the assistant coach or coach the triple A team? And I hadn't coached before, but I, yeah. I wanted to work with the junior team because I want, really wanted to make sure my brother got, what I felt was like good, good coaching. So he could sure. get an NCAA scholarship. He ended up going to Holy Cross like your brother. Yep. That's um, awesome. Yeah. And he loved it there, but so that, that's what got me into it. And to be honest, that's kind of what helped my transition. Was it? I was, I was working, um, raising, you know, for this, um, private markets, um, dealer, you know, helping raise money for, for private investments. And I could go to the rink out in Notre Dame. It's 20 minutes outside of Regina here. Yep. And go put on my skates like I'm used to every morning, you know, at 10 a.m., go for practice, you know, that cold air in the morning, yeah. getting nice. It's it, it's what I needed to slowly transition away from a life of hockey. Yeah. And uh, I really thank Notre Dame and Clint Millamock was it, the head coach of the Jeremy's brother. I know you had Jeremy on, but yeah, his brother was the head coach and gave me the opportunity. And we had a really good time. A couple of years he's coaching the USHL now, I think, uh, or North American League. He's coaching North American Is League. He- in Maryland, yeah. but uh, we had a really good couple of years and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I really, really liked coaching. Yeah. Uh, I just, I had an opportunity. I applied for the head coach in Melville after I was done those two years and I just trying to start this business at the same time. And it was just like the two paths. Yeah. And right when I finally raised enough money, I kind of told Melville, like I'm out of the running. And uh, that was kind of a bit of a fork in the road for me. Like I loved coaching, but I was kind of ready to not give every weekend of the fall and the winter. I, I spent, I, I rode those buses for, you know, yeah. 10, 15 years. I, I, re- I was ready for a different world experience and I wanted to, to try something different. So I kind of got sucked away from the hockey or pushed myself away from the hockey world for a bit. But I really, really loved coaching. But that was kind of the, 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 the transition for me that kind of eased me back into the real world. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the cool thing talking to Jeremy was he, he kind of uncovered something for me was a lot of guys, like if they're from those local areas in Saskatchewan and they make it to the NHL, they, they're not really necessarily coming back there to live full time afterwards. Right. But the guys that do come back have such a profound impact on the community. So even if you aren't coaching, it's just being in the community and, you know, everyone's involved in hockey. So you're able to answer questions and help people and guide them, right? Right. That they have opportunities now for their kids. It's like they can come somewhere and ask questions and you can give them guidance. And just again, at the end of the day, it's going to take a lot of their like self, uh, well, they got to figure it out on their own to get to to that place, but you can definitely provide a a path and Avenue. For sure. You can definitely um, just share the knowledge you've gained. But I mean, that's what I, I really enjoyed that. And, I by, by like by no means had like a, a hockey career like you know a lot of guys you ha- you've had on I, I'm not uh like but but I, I got what I wanted of hockey I'm happy I'm really happy where my life is I'm, I'm enjoying business Absolutely. but um you know kids that are playing junior a in Saskatchewan I feel like I have you know another seven eight years of hockey experience that I can share the wisdom on them from coaches I had in college or coaches I had in the pro or guys I played with in pro so that, that was kind of, it felt really good to give back. And, you know, you see the young kids' eyes light up when you're talking to them and showing them little tricks, little tips on yeah. just the smallest little nuance. Well, do you think you'll get into coaching maybe later on kind of thing? So huh. it happens? Something that's always going to be there for you, I guess. I would never say never. Um, yeah. I, but, you know, my daughter is a teenager now and is just started high school this year. Um, 
my old lady, her two boys are, are 14 and 16. So we got 14, 15, 16 in the house. Yeah. So I don't, years. I'm not going to be giving up weekends anytime soon, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I loved it. I love coaching. I probably will find my way there at some point, maybe whether it's even coaching grandkids or something like yeah. that, who knows, but um, I'll definitely be back in the rink at some point. That's great to hear. And it's another goal of every hockey player is to make sure that it's a lifelong thing, right? Not just you hate it after you're done playing. So right. that's the goal for, for everyone. But yeah, Bear, again, appreciate uh, you taking the time. And hopefully, I mean, the Oil Olympics and what, something to bring you back out to Calgary. I'm sure you haven't been out here in a while, but. No, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, two years, no Oil Olympics is too long. So Did they cancel it. Yeah, they must have canceled it again. Yeah, I think end of March typically. Yeah. So yeah. So hopefully, well, hopefully, like you said, hopefully in July, the things open up and golf course tournaments or go, yeah, golf course tournaments can happen again. And I mean, that's the other side of the industry is they raise so much money for charities, right? So it's like 100%. 100%. You look at any hospital or any building you go into in Western Canada and you'll find either the names of oil companies or people that ran them. For sure. at, like these companies are giving them the government or whatever money to then build. Then it's like that's yeah they just do what they want with it kind of thing but yeah there's too much noise on social media uh, about the other stuff so exactly so but get out there exactly yeah i would prod anyone to go out there and do their own research and look into it but yeah i mean like you said the oil and gas industry is extremely fascinating so we do have a bunch of listeners on the east coast and i'm sure some of your old uh, classmates and that might listen to this and understand kind of and look into it a little bit more because it's the coolest thing in the world i think for sure. Uh, yeah. Looking forward to getting a link from you and putting it out there where I can. Perfect. All right, Bear. Well, I appreciate it, man. Okay. Thanks for having me, Elliot. Yeah. Take care. Yeah. Bye.